Morning, everyone. How are you? Are you okay? Are you being still and knowing that the Lord is good and God? Yes. Okay, so quick recap for those people who weren't here last week and to set the scene for this morning. A premise for this new series that goes something like this. Much to my frustration, there are certain things that I... I'm sure you wave too. Really hope that I would have outgrown by now. You know, I'm grateful for all that God has done in me. I'm sure I've come a long way. Perhaps my family might testify to that. But you know what? I remain frustrated. It's not that I fail every time. It's not that I'm still right back at the beginning, but I know better. I know that God's way works. I know the truth. I know his promises. I have faith and I understand grace, but I still stumble and it's frustrating. Last week we talked a little bit about the tug of war that's going on on the inside of all of us one way or another. And do you know what? Sometimes we win. (laughs) Sometimes we don't. Now, we all have bad habits. We all have past wounds. We all have personalities that tend to overspill. And these these vulnerabilities, these, these Achilles heels, if you like, they keep coming back to bite us. We also covered last week the fact that the Bible, Bible teaches God's expectation for us is growth into maturity. The idea that we're all on a journey of transformation, hoping to become just a little bit more like Jesus. And what if the things that that we're talking about here are actually the very things that are standing in the way of us living and ministering clothed with power? which is where we've been camped for the last three or so months and what we're, we're desperate to push into. What if the kind of things that are going to be dealt with during this series are the very things standing in the way and what if we could finally shift them to one side? Perhaps once and for all, perhaps to the point where we have more victories than losses. So here's my list. This is the areas I reckon that we'd all love to outgrow. I don't know where you see yourself on the cyst, maybe in all of them, maybe not. Maybe you might by the end of the series, I don't know. But the five are anxiety, carnality, insecurity, offendability, and judgmentalism. All areas in which I have successes, and I think I probably have failures too. Plan is I'm going to cover anxiety today. Emily is speaking next week. Looking for a loud amen from Emily. Amen. Good. Tree's going to cover insecurity. I'm going to cover the rest. And then, do you know what? It'll be Easter. Peter have believed it. Before I do dive into anxiety today, as I said last week, this is not intended to be a beat-me-up series. We'll take a deep breath in. Relax those shoulders. 
my, my purpose here is not to, not to remind you of your own perceived anxieties and inadequacies. It's not to pile on yet more shame and humiliation. There's enough of that going around. The aim is to, to help you identify the things that keep getting you. Because, you know, once you see it, then you can defeat it. And so the plan is to, is to give you a tip or two so that you will be better prepared next time you march around that mountain. Hopefully you can avoid falling into that pesky pothole. At least not as often. Okay, anxiety. Start with the classic passage. Where else could I start? Which is Philippians 4 and verse 6, which says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present the request to God. Quick pause. Do I need to do a quick word study on the word anything? Or the word every? We've got that, right? anxious for nothing. And verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. A couple of other verses. Matthew 6, verse 27. This is Jesus speaking. He said, who can, he said, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Other versions say, or a single cubit to your height. You might wish. But worrying is not going to get you there. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Romans 8 15, this is the uh, New Century version. The spirit we receive does not make us slaves again to fear. It makes us children of God. And with that spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. We're going, to, we're going to look at it like this this morning. At, at those pivotal moments in our lives, when we're challenged or, or when we're threatened, it's very easy. You could say it's probably understandable that that some form of anxiety will kick in. So, some form of, of defense mechanism would always be triggered. Sure, you're all familiar with the with the fight or flight response. The basic idea is that when we're faced with danger or, or a challenge or with stress, we all in that moment make a choice: do I fight or do I take flight? And there are clearly times when it's right to fight. There are others when the best option is to run and get out of there. In fact, the New Testament presents lots of scenarios where we should indeed flee. 2 Timothy 2.22, flee the evil desires of youth. Instead, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee sexual immorality. Just get your head down and run in the opposite direction as fast as your little legs will carry you. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 14, a little bit more subtle. Therefore, my beloved, 
flee from idolatry. John 10, verse 5, Jesus speaking, said, Yet they, talking about the shepherd's own sheep, will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. But the Bible also tells us there are times where we should stand and fight. Paul 1 Timothy 6.12 said, Fight the good fight of faith. James 4 verse 7, resist the devil. and He will flee from you. Bit of role reversal there. Ephesians 6 verse 13, again familiar. Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. So I think we can agree that, that we have a natural and instinctive flight or fight or flight impulse. And you know what? That's a good thing. The problems come, here we go, the problems come when we do the wrong one at the wrong time. Or when negative emotions attach themselves to either response. So we flee out of fear or we flee out of anxiety or out of rejection or, or even disobedience. And we fight out of anger or, or jealousy or impetuosity or, or foolish bravado. And when our, when our response, either fight or flight, gets driven by those negative emotions rather than the principles of God's word, that's when we get ourselves into trouble and things spiral out of control. Do you know what? Anxiety in itself, not a bad thing. Do you know what? You should be anxious if a chainsaw-wielding, psychopathic axe murderer breaks into your house. If you don't feel anxious at that point, there is probably something wrong with you. But the question is, what are you going to do with that anxiety? To help kind of flesh that out a bit, there's a comparable passage in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. It says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. You know, we know, don't we, there is, there is an anger that is righteous. It's driven by, by the desire for truth and justice and righteousness. You know, there are things that we should get passionate about and we should dig our heels in to oppose. But if we let that turn into sin, if it starts to spill into abuse, or selfishness, or, or revenge, or resentment. We risk opening the door, giving the enemy a foothold. The same is true with anxiety. And Paul warned us, didn't he, not to be unaware of the enemy's schemes. And it goes something like this. He plants that seed that anxious, suggestive thought, and he slowly and insidiously waters it and waters it and turns it and waters it and feeds it 
and encourages it in the hopes that it will grow, that it will escalate, and in time that it will spiral out of control. You know how it works. We, we play with it in our fantasy world. We, we run it around and around and over and over and inside out and upside down, imagining all the worst possible outcomes, at least I do. And before you know it, that seed, that anxious, suggestive thought, before you know it, it's all grown up. And you know what the enemy's game plan is? The enemy's game plan is to train us to run that scenario all by ourselves. And eventually he barely has to light the touch paper and off we go, plummeting into the depths of, of petrifying fear and, and intoxicating anxiety. And I reckon, I reckon today is about sanctified defense mechanisms. You know, we are going to need defense mechanisms. Life isn't all rose petals and chocolate hearts and victory parades. We are in a spiritual battle. We are going to be opposed. And fear is the enemy's plan A. The point is, we do need defense mechanisms, but we need them to be holy, and then we need them to be godly, and we need them to be wise. Here are the questions. Do you jump to anxiety? Do you hide behind walls of fear? Do you worry yourself into a frenzy? Do you lash out in anger? Or is there a better way? When anxiety comes knocking, and it will, how should we respond? How do we decide whether it should be fight or flight? How do we make sure that none of those, those pesky negative emotions start driving our responses? You know, there's a pothole right there. You've fallen into it before. How do you avoid it next time? Okay, so it's time for Bible principles. And I'm going to propose that there should be four factors driving your response. It's going to be drawn from Philippians chapter 4. I've already read verses 6 to 7. I'm going to read a slightly extended portion now. And it's going to be four Ps. Four Ps, and the four Ps are praise, and presence, and prayer, and principle. So to kick that off, I'm going to read the full passage. Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9. One, one day, there's about 10 messages in here, and I'm looking forward to it. One day. Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. You can already see the peace. Verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, 
If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Okay, so I want you to imagine for a moment. Here comes that provocation. That anxious seed dropped into your mind that the fuse is lit. That sinking feeling kicks in, that that clammy fear starts to build. Your mind goes into overdrive and you start spiraling downwards fast. What do you do and what should you do? Here come the four Ps. The first one is praise. Verse 4, Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. The first step is this, remind yourself who is seated upon the throne. Remind yourself how great and how awesome and how mighty our God is. 1 John 4 verse 4, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Right, right at the get-go, remember what happened on the cross and who is on the victory side. Do you know what? You do all of that through the power of praise. Think about this statement. It's very difficult to praise and be anxious at the same time. You know, praise eats fear for breakfast. Praise builds faith like nothing else. Number one. Number two, God's presence. Philippians 4 verse 5, Let your gentleness be evident, or the Lord is near. You know, God is with you in that moment. As that seed lands, as that anxiety kicks in, God is with you. God is with you always, and that changes, at least it should, change everything. And once you truly grasp that God is for you, not against you. Remember that song, The Blessing? The COVID days? God is for you, and for you, and for you. And they sung it over people over and over again until people started to get, God is for you, not against you. Here's another statement. If you fear God, you don't need to fear anything or anybody else. We know Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Hebrews 13 verse 5, God said, Never will I leave you, never will I leave you nor forsake you. Romans 8, 35 through 39, nothing, 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 I repeat, nothing. And Paul gives a long list and he knows nothing can separate you from the love of God. Psalm 139, where can you flee from my spirit, says the Lord. Rhetorical question. The answer is nowhere. Do you know what? I can be really bold when I picture myself tucked in just behind big brother Jesus. We need, to, we need to know 
and understand the fact that we carry the greater one with us into every situation, into every room, even into every crisis. So number one was praise. Number two is presence, painting a picture here. And number three is pray. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. King James, I think. You know, prayer should, should not be our last resort. It's our primary weapon. Here we go. When we pray, demons are bound and angels are loosed and mountains are moved and chains are broken Doors fling wide open when we pray. And so in every situation, Philippians 4, 6, using every kind of prayer, when anxiety squeezes, when worry chokes, when fear kicks in, pray. The word literally means petition God. 1 Peter 5, verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. What's the promise? The promise is the surpassing, transcending peace of God. Not because you've solved the problem. Not because you've run it inside out and upside down and back to front through your mind. Not even because it's all worked out but because you have invited the peace of God in prayer. And you know what? His peace is more powerful than your fear. Number four, principle. Verse eight, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. You know, the key is to train yourself to only let in the true and the right and the pure and the lovely and the holy and the godly. The key is to put a great big word of God filter across your thought life. So, so right at the outset, Back to that point, the seed lands, the anxiety starts to wiggle, fear starts to rise. Right at the outset, you're asking these questions. Is this biblical? Is it true? Is it grace? More often than not, it's just not true. Is it grace? More often than not, it's condemnation trying to hit you. Is it grace? Is it from heaven or hell? Hopefully we can tell the difference. Is this a case of receive or reject, is this fight or flight? 2 Corinthians 3, 10, verse 3 and 5, doesn't talk about, about taking those anxious thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. Don't give them any oxygen at all. And in doing so, you suffocate that anxiety and that negativity at source before it even has the chance to take root. Romans 8, verse 6, the mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. I'm going to dig this one just a little bit deeper for 
for a couple of minutes. Again, at that pivotal moment, as that seed lands, when that fear starts to tug, what is it going to be? Is it going to be Philippians 4 verse 13, which says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is it going to be Philippians 4 verse 19, which says, I can do, we've done that one. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Is it going to be Hebrews 13, 5? My God will never leave me nor forsake me. Is it going to be Romans 8, verse 39? Nothing can separate me from his love. Is it going to be 2 Timothy 1, verse 7? God did not give me a spirit of fear. He gave me a spirit of love and of power and of sound, disciplined mind. Is it going to be 2 Corinthians 12, verse 19, which says that his grace is sufficient in my weakness. You see, the danger is rather than, than climbing onto the rock, we get sucked onto the sand. So instead of standing on the principles, instead of grabbing hold of those promises, it becomes, woe is me. There's the pothole. Here I come. I'm a failure. What do failures do? Failures fail. Or, or I'm in this alone. All by myself. No one to call on. No one understands. Start spiraling. The enemy's big and scary. And I am hopeless and powerless and defenseless in his wake. Here's the good news. There is freedom from all of that in God's word. Knowing the principles and the promises. Making them personal. So you're owning them rather than just reading them. Knowing that in your thought life you are agreeing with God and his word and what he's declared and stated, written. Knowing that you are standing in the principles of grace and have a redeemed relationship with guilt and shame. There's freedom from all that in the Word. There's also safety in using the Word of God, as we've already said, as a, as a filter. Learning what to accept and what to reject. Being able to distinguish between, between God's truth and the enemy's lies. You're like intercepting that foolishness before it has the chance to get to work. And do you know what? There is tremendous power in a renewed mind, in truly understanding who God is and what that means. Knowing what Jesus did and the extent of his victory on the cross. In knowing who you are in Christ as a result of his resurrection and whom you now carry as a result of Pentecost. Okay, let's wrap up. How do you tame that runaway anxiety? How do you start to turn those defeats into victories? How do you avoid that pesky pothole? How do you break that cycle of frustration? What the answer is, keep working the plan. Keep working that Philippians 4 process. Keep working it until you develop 
new and better habits. Quick recap. The first one was praise. Let, let those great big God songs devour your anxiety. You know, I think praise can be, it can be either fight or flight. It's either standing firm in the greatness of God or running to the safety of his arms. The second thing we need to do is we need to practice his presence. God is with me. God is for me. You know, this is where you, this is where you check for the check. Should I stay or should I go? Thirdly, pray. His peace is available for you in every situation, every time. And it starts by casting your cares on the Lord. Not by running them round your head over and over and over again. Not coming back to them round and round. Not beating yourself up with them. That peace starts and it comes from casting your cares on the Lord. You know, prayer is, is where you get the chance to ask God great questions. What, Lord, should I do? Where, Lord, should I go? Maybe even, is this fight or is this flight? Have you ever asked God that? And the fourth one, the principles. Sneaky bonus, fifth one, promises. Principles and promises. A disciplined mind. Filtered thought, standing on the rock. You know, let the promises of heaven dictate the terms, not, not your fickle and changeable feelings. We all have those. And the word gives you the wisdom to know whether to stand strong on the promises or to take an alternative course of action altogether. Okay. How do we respond to all that? Three possible responses, I think. Response number one is, is this question. And I'm asking you. So give me a smile. Hit me with it, Jamie. I'm ready. Question number one. What are the flashpoints? What, what are the catalysts, if you like, that make you anxious? If, if there are and you're probably staring them in your mind while you're hearing this message. If there, are, if there are patterns, if to use the expression, you keep marching unsuccessfully around the same mountain, really wish you could get to the top, and take it to the Lord today. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you what's going on in here. As I said earlier, once you see it, then you can defeat it. And today would be a great job to, to expose and to confront those fear triggers. So if that's you, I'd recommend either you go and see the prayer ministry team in a minute, or, or perhaps you come to the front over here and just do some business with God. Option number two. Are you anxious constantly? And if that's you, I really would encourage you to go and see the prayer ministry team this morning. You know, there is enormous transformative power 
in Philippians 4, 4 through 9. It's what that power is available to you today. So if you're honest and you say, do you know what, this anxiety, fear thing is a major problem for me, then get over there as fast as your legs will carry you and let them pray the breakthrough power of God over you today. And the third response is this. If you've listened to number one and number two and you've gone, If anxiety is not a problem for you, then perhaps God has a ministry for you. What do you have? What have you learned? What do you carry that you could impart to others? How might the Lord use you to minister faith and strength and encouragement to those who need it? Why not ask him, that very question this morning. I'm going to ask the worship team if they wouldn't mind coming forward. I'm going to pray very briefly, set this up. Um, we've got a time of worship. We've done well for time this morning. Um, I, I know this is significant. You know, the purpose of this series, if I'm honest, was to jab a little bit. God told me to do it. Let me cross with me. You know, some of those raw nerves, some of those issues, some of those things that you know, if you're honest, are holding you back. Yes, we heard the COVID power series and everyone says, yes, Jamie, yes, Jesus, we want more of that. But these things are the things that get you into way because just as God calls you to race into action, guess what? The anxiety seed is going to land because that's the last thing the enemy wants. He doesn't want you clothed in power. He wants you naked and ashamed. So we're going to open up the floor essentially this morning. We've got 10, 15 minutes just to respond. You know, the Holy Spirit has the answers. He is the answer. I encourage you to be radically responsive this morning. Let's stand. I'm going to pray quickly. Holy Spirit, we just give you this time. Thank you for your word. We know the principles we do. We've heard it before. We need you to minister it to our hearts today. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you do business with us on the inside? Would you impart peace and faith and grace on us all? In Jesus' name.